Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas Fort Worth. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 1053 The Fan. And joining us first is Dr. Heather Moore. She's a physical therapist and member of the United States Olympic Committee sports medicine team. Dr. Moore, how are you doing this morning? I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. I am so glad you're joining us because we're rounding the corner on this pandemic. And a lot of people who have been stuck inside the house, a lot of people who have gotten out of shape or gained weight or, you know, like I said, the the mask mandates are coming off and, and people are getting more active. And you are the perfect person to talk to. Because the weekend warriors are trying to get back out there again, but they need to be careful about it, right? Absolutely. We are seeing a lot of injuries. Um, And I always preface the word injury because people always think injury means you fell or you tripped. And injuries don't mean that. And we're seeing a lot of repetitive injuries, just people getting up and moving and going back to the regular routine they had prior to COVID, not realizing that our cell phones tracked us moving 50% less last year. So I always say make sure that you just kind of ease back into it. You're not going to go back to that hit workout or that craziness that you were before right away. And if you do, you're going to wind up injuring yourself and you're going to wind up with a lot of pain that you aren't going to be able to explain. And then it's just going to perpetuate itself. So be careful getting back out there and moving. That's not to say don't do it, but just ease yourself back in instead of jumping off where you left off. Now, you mentioned people jumping off where they left off. What do you say to people who are frustrated that they just can't get that immediate high intensity that they did before, you know, COVID or even if they had uh, acquired COVID, if they're coming off of COVID uh, at some point in time? So, yeah, we are seeing a lot of post-COVID syndromes. And unfortunately, because this is so new, nobody really knows kind of what to expect. And we're all as a medical community coming together to share stories and see what we're experiencing. And we're seeing a lot of people who had no symptoms during COVID tested positive, had to get the test as a family member, um, have severe issues getting back to working out really, um, really a lot of trouble with breathing, mm-hmm. getting back into it because of knee pain, all of these things that we are now coming to identify as post-COVID syndrome. So it is very frustrating and it can be very frustrating, but you have to realize that when you stop moving, you have to you know, ease back into it. And if you did have COVID, symptom, symptomatic or not, you have to allow your body that time to recover. And most people are finding that the biggest symptoms are two and three months later when they go to resume working out or they go to try and ramp back up. They wind up with breathing issues and these knee and shoulder and back issues that we're seeing a lot of. So it is frustrating, I realize, um, you know, but it's really important that you take the time. Otherwise, you are going to take yourself out of the game for a long time if you don't do if you don't take the time now. It's so funny you bring this up because if if people watch sports and you're seeing some of the top athletes in the world, let alone in their particular sport, some of them had COVID, some of them had symptoms, and then they were also slow to be themselves again. And these are some of the most fit athletes in the world who have the best doctors and trainers around them. Absolutely. One of the things that I always say to people when they bring me, oh, well, so-and-so got back on the court in a week and I have this injury and it's taken me months. Like you said, they have the best and the latest and the greatest. They're working out with oxygen being supplied to them. So when they're, you can't compare yourself to any of these people that 
while they seem normal, quote unquote, on TV, the access they have is so far superior. And I also tell people, you know, they're in the training rooms four, six, eight hours a day getting worked on, getting the help they need. This isn't a one hour where you and I get to go to the gym maybe and squeeze that in. Mm -hmm. This is their profession. So they're in doing recovery work for however many hours it takes during the day. They're sleeping in hyperbaric chambers. Not many people have access to a hyperbaric chamber to sleep in. But, you know, all of these recovery things that they're able to do for extended periods of time. So if it's taking them a while to get back, me and, and the average Joes out there, it's going to take us a lot longer because we don't have eight hours to spend rehabbing ourselves. So, Dr. Moore, what type of frequency of physical activity is healthy and safe for someone still having post-COVID symptoms? So that's really going to be dependent on the person and how, how many symptoms you are having. I always recommend if you are having these post-COVID syndromes, get to see a physical therapist right away so they can supervise ramping you back up. You don't want to push anything too hard too fast. Again, that's when you wind up injured and you wind up taking yourself out for months. So it's if you find yourself unable to breathe, pain in your knee, pain in your back, really consult with the experts on this because it may take you 10 minutes a day for a week. Um, it may take you 10 minutes a day for a month, depending on how severe these symptoms are. And we're seeing x-rays of people with lung damage who had no symptoms yeah. uh, having COVID, but having these um, lung, this lung damage. And lung damage takes a long time to reverse and get back to where you used to be or even to a lower level of where you used to be. We're talking with Dr. Heather Moore. She's a physical therapist and member of the United States Sports uh, Olympic Committee uh, medical team. And, and, Dr. Moore, I want to ask you about your background just a little bit. How did you wind up getting involved with the United States Olympic Committee sports medicine team? Because, again, you're dealing with some of the best athletes in the world. So my background is I actually have spent my entire life working in outpatient orthopedics. I've worked with the Major League Baseball players. I've worked with the PGA. So that just kind of rolled into the um, whole, my whole, oh, I guess, career that was really one of the next steps that i wanted to do mm -hmm. i opened my own company and this allowed me to run my own company total performance physical therapy and still be able to help out those elite athletes whereas when you're on the pga or the mlb or any of those that's more your life and with kids in a company you know i don't have time to make uh, professional sports my life anymore but this allowed me to be able to help them out and still be able to have a life outside of it and we do appreciate your expertise because, again, a lot of people, especially here's come summer, they're trying to get back active again, and you're trying to make sure people don't rush into things. What if you didn't have COVID, but you basically took the year off? You're just in some sweats and around the house and working from home. What do you recommend the ramp up for, for, for those of us? Sure. So those people who just kind of took the year off and you are not alone. Many people did and many people backed off and didn't have access to the equipment. So I always say start off with whatever you feel comfortable with. I say 20 to 30 minutes a day and start off at if you are a runner, just start off doing walking and running intervals. If you are a weightlifter, you know, back down the weights to something very light. So you're doing more repetitions uh, as opposed to heavier weights. Whatever you're going back out and starting to do, just kind of drop it back. You want to start about 20, 30 minutes a day. If you're able to, if you're only starting at 10, then you start at 10. But you want to increase one thing every week. So if you're doing it for 20 minutes, maybe next week you do it for 25 minutes. Or maybe you hold it tw at 20 minutes and you increase the weight. You don't want to increase everything all at once. That's when injuries happen. So Usually I say, you know, if you need to increase something, increase one thing. Now, if you are still tired at the end of 20 minutes and tired at the end of the lifting of the weights or whatever exercise program you're doing, then don't increase anything. You're still getting the results. But when you become bored and you're like, okay, this is pretty easy now, that's when you start to ramp things up. But really only ramp one variable at a time so that way you're able to control it. So if you get really sore or you wind up hurting yourself, you can say, oh, 25 minutes was too much. I need to back it down. You know, I'm so glad you're giving this advice. Now, me personally, I'm going to have to come clean. I actually stayed in shape and worked out even more during the pandemic. I actually found Good I had more you. free time. And I said, you know what? 
I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to fall off. I'm going to actually do something with my time. So I'm not necessarily like everybody else, but I do know a lot of people who wound up doing very, very little. And then some of them were saying, well, I'm going to start up again, but my knees hurt. Why are the knees some of the first things that start paining people? Because the knees are a hub, I like to call them. So you don't really have any specific muscles that attach at the knee. Everything that is working at your knee is also working at your hip and working at your foot. So while we wind up with a lot of knee pain, it could be issues going on at your hip and issues going on at your foot. It's just kind of manifesting itself at your knee. So we've also seen last year everybody start working from home. And unfortunately, desk setups were terrible. And people were just working from wherever they could, whenever they could. And this also takes a toll on your body. So while you may not have done anything specifically and your knees are starting to hurt, this could be from improper posture, from this work from home scenario that we have ah. going on. So take that into account. Yeah, a lot of people overlook that fact, but the fact that you don't have those fancy desks that we all had at work that were all ergonomically correct makes a big difference and plays a role. And it also probably can add to some back pain or some back issues, right? We see we are seeing a ton of back issues, a ton of neck issues because of everybody who has been just in this poor posture, laptops on the couch, kind of working from home, headaches, lots of this uh, over what we call overuse injuries or repetitive injuries, so poor posture, lots of that type of issues where that's going on. And it's so important to address that because, again, if you go out there and you force yourself to run, you're going to have some long-term problems. Now, you know, uh, we, were, we were talking about knees and backs and whatnot, um, and we're talking about people getting back into their normal routines as far as exercise is concerned and not rushing into it. You were actually going towards a point, and I'm thinking this about the range of motion for people and being able to balance. If you're able to balance on one leg or if you're not, what does that tell someone? So there's a lot of issues that you can kind of test at home, and balance is one of them, and range of motion and different things like that. And if you check out our YouTube channel, Total Performance Physical Therapy, we have a ton of videos on various things like this. But single leg balance and balancing on one leg is a huge indicator of there's an issue going on. Now, what is it? Not quite sure, but you, I always hear people say, well, my parents had bad balance, so therefore I have bad balance. Balance is not something that's hereditary. It's something that you work at. So it could be a strength issue. It could be a vision issue. There could be a couple of issues going on. But if you can't hold your balance on one leg for 30 seconds and then go ahead and hold it on the other leg for 30 seconds, that's something to be concerned about. One of the major things we see in people over 60 is falls. And half of that time, it's because they have bad balance. Mm -hmm. And while we all don't want to admit we're all heading towards that direction, we are. So working on that balance is, is really an important part of getting uh, better in better shape. What do they say? Father time is undefeated. And so we got to be well aware of our limits as we get older. Can you, can you talk about some of the things that are, are different as far as if you were younger and had COVID and overcame it? And if you were older and had COVID and, and, and you're, over, you're, you're trying to get back into things? When we see people who are older, and I'm talking older being 50 and above, Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing a lot of this post-COVID syndrome, and it takes them a little bit longer to recover. Their lung capacity is not as great as someone under the age of 50. Their joints are a little bit more brittle to begin with. They don't have the full range of motion going into it as opposed to somebody who's under 50. So they're going to take a lot slower to get uh, back to where it is. The difference is a lot of times what we're seeing is people over 50 are are quicker to address these issues, whereas people under 50 are like ignoring them and pushing them off, uh-huh. waiting till some a major catastrophe happens. And I always say, you know, that's that's really too late. I mean, now we've really got our work cut out for us. But had you come in when it was just more of a nagging issue, then we could have really just gotten you in and out and on your way. But when you come in when something major breaks, that's when you're talking about months of repair. But it, we're seeing that over 50 to 
age group coming in a little bit sooner, but it is going to take them a little bit longer to recover just because of everything decreasing as you get older. It is so funny you bring that up because if you think about it, you know, the millennials and Generation Z, I'm not going to say they procrastinate more, but they are more couch potato-ish. They, they kind of like, well, my health is going to be there and I get out and I do what I do. But then a pandemic hits and more of them become gamers. More of them watch Netflix. More of them sit around the house. Am I Absolutely. wrong? No, not at all. And one of the things that also is plaguing those, that generation is Google. Yeah. And a lot of people Google and they read message boards. And, oh, well, this guy had knee pain and he just put some scotch tape on it and now he's totally fine. So I'm just going to do that. And we wind up seeing a lot of these home remedies from that age group of uh, that that take months. Mm -hmm. And instead of addressing the issues and coming in and seeing people who have actually gone to school for years for this, you know, they're two and three months into pain that now it's going to take them a long time to get better from. So, yeah, there's a couple of issues there that we're really starting to see. Uh, with that generation. But I think the biggest one outside of being couch potatoes is the fact that Google drives everything and they just want the home remedy, the quick fix. You know, let me just put a piece of scotch tape on it and I'll be fine. And, you know, while that may last for a week, overall, you know, your health is really being affected by that, you know, not addressing it professionally. This is so wild because I don't want to sound preachy or sound like I'm I'm talking down to a younger generation, but I think part of it is all People in their early 20s and teens, they feel bulletproof that they can do things and they'll learn it. Or that's why I guess that's why car insurance is high for anybody under the age of 25, because they really feel like they could solve it themselves and they'll figure it out themselves. And I think they feel like their health is going to be there and they don't realize that over time you have to work at it to maintain some health. Absolutely. There is no doubt about that. And it is really, you know, we're seeing a decline overall in physicals and just, you know, this not understanding exactly how important it is to be uh, up up on your health. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the older generation, they went for their physicals every year. That's what your mom did. That's what you did. But the younger generation, you know, and, and I get it. I was 18 months. I thought I was infallible, too. But You know, I was always taught, you know, you keep up with your health, you keep up with your physicals, you know, you go get your routine blood work, you go get all the routine exams. And again, it's one of those things that we're just starting to see that it's not transferring to that next generation. They think they can take a stick, a little prick at home and send it into a lab. Well, that's not the same as going in and actually getting a physical. So, yeah, we really, you know, I I hate to preach because I was 18 months and I get it. But, you know, it takes them so much longer and they're so much more sedentary than and than any other generation because of all the gaming systems that we have and the mm-hmm. tablets that they grew up with. That none of us, well, none, we did not. So, you know, we're seeing those posture related issues a lot sooner than we did generations before. And you know what? It kind of goes hand in hand with being susceptible to health issues, and I'm talking about like diseases, not just necessarily COVID, but the flu or, or the common cold or, or anything else that you could get if you're not healthier to overcome it. Absolutely. Exercise plays such a big role in maintaining everybody's health. And yes. Not many people understand how important it really is. So the more set, you know, the, a while ago, it was the push that, you know, sitting was the new smoking. And a lot of that is really true. Maybe not that drastic and sometimes maybe that drastic, but it is so important to maintain that mobility and that lifestyle of moving to not prevent just joint issues, but ward off the common cold. You know, one of the things that we're going to see next year is we're going to see a significant increase in the amount of flu and things like that because everyone's immune system is so, so far down because Mm -hmm. we we weren't in contact for a year. So no one's been exposed to a lot of germs and their bodies, you know, especially if they've been sedentary, have not no natural defense mechanisms. So exercise and moving and things like that allow your body to build up these natural defenses to those common colds and, and various diseases. We're talking with Dr. Heather Moore, physical therapist and member of the United States Olympic Committee sports medicine team. Can you talk about some of the athletes or some of the sports figures that you've had to talk to and help them through either some rehab or or just getting back to uh, 
uh, their peak performance and this, the stuff that you recommend to them and how it might apply to everyday people? One of the things that I always tell people about when they ask me this question is that I always say there is no athlete that does not get treated the day something feels weird. Right. And it doesn't have to hurt, but it feels weird. Mm-hmm. And I always try and tell people when they bring up all these people that have the same thing that they do that are professional athletes, I said, well, how long did you wait to take care of it? Oh, this has been going on for a month is usually what I get. If they are feeling anything just slightly off, they will be in the office getting treated that day. They don't mess around. They don't wait around. They don't Google it. They walk in and they say, fix me. I think there's something going on. And that is a huge huge issue when it comes to people delaying treatment and why are why do they get better faster because well first they have the resources but two they use the resources yes most people don't take advantage of them until months later and then you are months away from being better and the other thing that i always say is you know the athletes that i don't care what athlete it is they emphasize recovery as much as they do the actual working out so many people neglect recovery. That's stretching, that's foam rolling, that's icing, that's sleeping, and it's eating. So many people overlook those people, those pieces, and just kind of think they're going to work out for an hour and they're going to outrun, you know, the, the case of beer they had last night and they're going to outrun uh, the bad diet or they're going to outrun the two hours of sleep that they're mm-hmm. going on. Athletes make sure that they are recovering, and that is just as important as the time they're putting on the court, field, whatever their sport is, that's just important. So those two pieces are things that I always emphasize because people often just, you know, want to say they have the latest and greatest. Yes, they do. But they also have all the other stuff that we have that most of us don't take advantage of. And you know what? It's so it's so interesting you bring this up because as a physical therapist, you deal with a lot of athletes who are rehabbing. And a lot mm-hmm. of people know rehabbing is not as fun as competing. It can be really boring, but you have to be disciplined. Do you think that part of it is what's missing with the weekend warrior? The fact that they're, they just don't want to do any kind of rehab. Correct. They just don't want to deal with it. They don't want to waste the time. As they tell me, they don't want to you know spend the money. And again, if you're in my office, the same day, something hurts, you're in and out, you know, within a couple of weeks at most. But if you wait for four, six months, you know, I mean, you're talking about months of rehabbing and it's great to be a weekend warrior, but you have to also take into account all the pieces that make you that weekend warrior. So if you're not sleeping right, if you're not eating right, if you're not rehabbing, you are not taking optimal care of your body and And it's going to give out on you. I promise. Yeah. And, And one of the things you've been talking about, especially with this conversation, are people who are dealing with post-COVID symptoms such as diminished cardiovascular capacity, knee pain, achy joints, muscle issues, and fatigue. And you're talking about people being slow to ramp up, even if you had symptoms that were mild or no symptoms at all, right? This is full circle. You're just reminding people you got to get back into things and you want to, but be careful about it, right? A hundred percent. You have to be careful. You have to go slow. Understand that if you were hospitalized with COVID or if you had no symptoms, you can be suffering with post-COVID syndrome. And most of the people that we're seeing had no symptoms and they're frustrated and they're angry because they're asking, like, what? I didn't have anything. Like, I just tested positive because I had to test because my family member, but I had no symptoms. We are seeing that you are going to have symptoms later. And it doesn't matter how hard you push. You're just going to eventually hurt something if you don't do it correctly. So it's so important to recognize it's the severity of the symptoms while you are positive with COVID do not matter. When you are dealing with post COVID syndrome, ramping back up slowly is an imperative part of getting better and not hurting yourself again. Exactly. Not hurting yourself um, um, and, and recognizing the symptoms and recognizing the fact that if you try to fight this thing off and try to go too fast, you may wind up in the hospital when you didn't go to the hospital with COVID in the first place, and you don't need to get yourself injured on top of all that, right? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You can wind up hospitalized with post-COVID syndrome if you just continue to push through it. We all have to recognize that we went through an unprecedented year mentally, physically, emotionally, Mm -hmm. and we have to ease ourselves back into that 
We can't just go. You didn't just take a month off. And I think a lot of people relate that month that they took off in August when they went on vacation and didn't work out to to this. And it's not. It's a year. And it's a year of mental fatigue and a year of emotional uh, dealings and a year of, of physical just changes. And you didn't just not work out. You worked from home. You stopped walking. Nobody went anywhere. So, you know, it wasn't just a common, it wasn't just a, a stopping working out. It was a combination of everything. So listen to your body. I can't stress that enough. People just ignore their body and it's like, oh, I'm just getting old. And I always tell people two weeks, if something hurts more than two weeks or you can recall the last time that it hurt, it's not going away on its own. I don't care how much Advil you take. You can mask <laughs> the pain all you want. It's not going away. So deal with it. Listen to your body. So many people I ask, you know, when, when did this start? Oh, you know what? Oh, wait, oh, wait, it even started before that. And they start recalling how long ago this was. When something hurts, your body's going to tell you. Most of us just power through it. And your body will let you until it won't anymore. And it will stop you, I promise. Now, Dr. Moore, you're a physical therapist. You're not a nutritionist, but you worked with a lot of nutritionists. Can you talk to people about eating right as they get back out there? So, you know, it's always important to eat right, and it's always important to avoid the fast food and the grub hubs that deliver and making sure that you are eating enough of a balanced diet. I am not one to say, you know, you know, take away carbs or take away this. I think that is not the right approach. And again, I'm not a nutritionist, mm-hmm. so make sure you consult your nutrition nutritionist, but making sure you're having, you know, everything in moderation. It's okay to have a dessert, but, you know, make sure you're eating those fruits and vegetables and, you know, a a lot of those things that will make you, your body healthier. So important to have that diet, that healthy diet as a part of a healthy lifestyle. And drink lots of water, right? Oh, absolutely. Water is probably the most underrated thing I've (laughs) I've ever heard of. It is crazy. Yes. And most of these sports drinks that people drink don't, most of all of them, don't take the place of water. You know, just get your water bottle and have it with you at all times. It can help flush out a lot of garbage that builds up in your body. And it's really important to maintain, again, that healthy body, that healthy lifestyle. Also, here's a piece of advice from me, not necessarily you, but put down the cell phone late at night when you want to get something to eat and have it delivered. Just just put the phone down. Don't, <laughs> don't have them drop it off. It's so easy. Just uh, Text and, and, and have that order sent over to the house, and they ring your doorbell, and there's that food that you're going to sleep on. <laughs> exactly. It's so, I, I think nighttime eating has become very prevalent, and oh, I don't man. track Uber or track Grubhub, but I know how many patients have come in to me and said, you know, my nighttime eating has picked up because you're right. It's just picking up the phone and click, 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 and there it is at your door. You know, it, it, you're not going to move past a certain time, so you don't really need calories. So, you know, be aware that once you stop moving for the night, don't order that pizza because there's, you're not going to burn it off. There's no way to do so. Put the phone down. You know, I mean, putting the phone down in general is a very healthy habit. And most of us need to really dial back the amount of time we're spending on our phones. That's leading to a lot of health issues. And they're really tracking that data now. But, you know, we've, we've increased that phone time and unfortunately used it to buy some late night food. But, yeah. Put the phones down. Don't have it with you in your bedroom. Like, just put it down, put it yeah. away, give it a bedtime, and you go to bed at the same time. See, you opened up another door that we have to talk about. Sometimes people don't understand the benefits of full sleep, of getting several hours of sleep in a row. In fact, that sleep is something that a lot of professional athletes and world-class athletes do, and they study a lot, right? Sleep patterns. Absolutely. It is a, a must. It is just you are not going to perform at your best unless you are getting that six to eight hours of optimal sleep. And some of us require more. It is so important that you put the cell phone away out of the room, Mm -hmm. that you just go and you go to sleep, not watching TV, not napping on the couch, but you let your body rest. You go to full sleep. And that can make or break an injury. That can make or break how your body feels. If your joints don't have the time to recover, if you're... Uh, systems don't have the time to recover, which is what sleep is, they're going to obviously not be able to function as well the next day. So such an important piece to, to recognize and to make sure you are getting enough of. 
it all goes hand in hand. Again, as we're coming out of this pandemic, people are wanting to get to some normalcy. They want to get back to the the activities they did outdoors or get together with friends and work out or get together with friends and go on walks and things. You have to take care of your body and you got to do it not only uh, through eating right, uh, through working through this thing slowly. You're sleeping right. Uh, do you recommend power naps? I am a big fan of power naps. <laughs> I think they make a huge <laughs> difference. <laughs> and my day starts at 4.30 in the morning, so I will power nap anytime I can. You know, I usually try and squeeze in one a day. Maybe it happens once or twice a week, but that 15, 20 minutes, and a power nap is a power nap. It's not a two-hour, you know, crawl into bed. Like, it's just close your eyes, 15, 20 minutes. Sure. You wake up a lot more refreshed and you're just able to shut everything down with the world we live in shutting down is very hard these days yes and it it's, is so important just yes to let everything go by the wayside even for that 15 minutes and power napping meditation all of that that 15 minute break where nobody's talking to you you're not looking at your phone you're not in front of your computer can absolutely reset your body and your mind for the whole day This conversation is so great because it's touching on all the things that are so important. People are so stressed from the pandemic or stressed from the economy or stressed from their job situation. If you work out, if you're healthy, if you take care of your body, you will also wind up taking care of your mind. Correct. Absolutely. And that is such a big part in feeling good. And I don't want to say it's all mental because I don't want to make it sound like people are hypochondriacs, but Mentally, if you are fatigued, if you are not in the right space, mm-hmm. it absolutely affects your entire physical well-being. So taking that 15 minutes a day to power nap or to meditate, making sure you're sleeping at night, shutting down is just as important as working out and being awake and being on and being alert. So in summary, Dr. Moore, can you tell us again about how people need to take themselves slowly if they had any signs of or symptoms of COVID, if they tested positive for COVID at all in the past calendar year, be careful, take your time, then also where they can watch some of your YouTube videos or how they might be able to uh, get more information. Sure. So when you are recovering from COVID, and I want to stress again, you may have had no symptoms during COVID. You may have been hospitalized with COVID. We are seeing no difference in the post-COVID symptoms that we are seeing. Take it easy when you are resuming working out. If you are experiencing shortness of breath, this is normal. Knee pain, hip pain, and back pain. This is completely normal as we're seeing coming back from COVID. Start with 10 to 20 minutes a day. Only change one thing per week. So if you're doing a 10-minute workout, five times a week and you've decided that feels easy and you want to ramp it up to 15, great. Only change one thing though. Don't increase the weight and increase the time and increase the intensity. You want to consult with a medical professional, physical therapist when you are returning and you're having issues. Don't try and bullhead your way through this. It is a very serious syndrome that we're starting to see and it's something we are absolutely trained in helping people come back from but make sure you listen to your body i can't stress that enough listen to your body as you return Mm -hmm. we have a lot of videos actually on post-covid syndrome on recovery on injury on our youtube channel total performance physical therapy we also have a lot of great resources on our website it's www.totalperformancept.com. So it's totalperformancept, as in physicaltherapy.com. And you can get great resources. We have a Facebook page where we do Facebook Live every week where we're updating you on what we're finding in the clinic, on questions you may have. You can always ask a question on there, and we'd be certainly glad to answer it. Dr. Moore, I cannot thank you enough. We really enjoyed all this information. Everybody here in North Texas needs to know these things, and we're so glad you joined us. Again, we've got to have you on again real soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. That's Dr. Heather Moore, physical therapist, member of the United States Olympic Committee sports medicine team. And again, we will have you back. Thank you. Thank you so much. And joining us now here on Better Living is Yasmin Badia, the CEO of Uplift Education. Uplift Education is the largest free public charter school network in North Texas. Hey, Jasmine, I am so honored to have you with us this morning. 
again, I have had a chance to speak to the school in Irving, the, the campus in Irving, the, uh, the uh, Infinity Campus, the prep school there. The kids were absolutely amazing, and I think we need to share what you guys have been doing since 1996 to let everybody know what is going on and why you guys are so awesome with all of the kids getting scholarships. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chris, for having me, and I'm glad you had a great experience out at Uplift Infinity. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Can you talk about the history of the school and and how the network started and and how you guys have been able to take care of all these kids? I think you've you've given out like 21,000 scholarships in pre-K through 12th grade on 21 different campuses around Dallas-Fort Worth. So uh, we've been around for over 20 years serving the Dallas-Fort Worth area, the broader Metroplex. We serve over 21,000 students in grades pre-K through 12th grade uh, across our 46 schools uh, in six cities across the Metroplex. And really at Uplift, uh, our focus is to develop Uh, what we call the whole child. We have a focus on rigorous academics that help challenge every child. But at the same time, we really know that it is equally important to develop our students socially and emotionally. So we pay close attention to student-teacher relationships, opportunities for students to build closer relationships with their peers. And then also we have a formal road to college and career program to start exposing our kids to the idea about college and career early and supporting them along their journey. And I think that this focus on all of those areas has helped us become the highest performing urban school district in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It is absolutely amazing. The Texas Education Agency gave you guys uh, an excellent B rating, an 87, and that's better than a lot of the districts here in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm so impressed because the kids that I met, they were so confident. Can you talk about how you help build the confidence amongst these kids that they know that they can do anything and that they all could go to college and succeed if they wanted to? You know, I will share, Chris, I think it's actually just a really simple strategy that all of us can use with our kids um, at home and at school. And it's all just about a culture of high expectations. We constantly tell our kids uh, that they can go off to a four-year college, that they can have a great career, um, and that through their hard work, um, uh, that it will and focus uh, on their own goals that are meaningful for them that can be a pathway for them. And so I think what we've seen in our students is that they actually push themselves and reach for higher aspirations because they've been told we absolutely believe it's possible for them and we're here to support them on that journey. So you've been closing the achievement gap between the students, regardless of their socioeconomic background, regardless of their ethnicity, and it ensures that they're able to graduate. How do you get 100% graduation and get these kids enrolled in college. That's the amazing stat of all. Well, thank you so much for that. Of course, tribute goes to our teachers and our school leaders and mm-hmm. our counselors for doing that. Uh, I think it's really interesting to note that uh, roughly 75% of our seniors are the first in their family to go to college. So when I got ready for the college process now many, many years ago, uh, my mom and dad sat with me at our kitchen table and helped guide me. But both of them had gone to college, so they had a visual map of what that process looked like. And for 75% of our kids, roughly, their parents haven't had that firsthand experience themselves. And so we have fairly large counseling teams at each of our Uplift High Schools, so we can work with parents in partnership with their student uh, to talk about what colleges might be a great match for their specific child based on what their child is looking for. or um, we, And then once we know what that desired college list is, we can help them prepare their applications, review their essays. We can um, help make sure they have strong reference checks and references in place, uh, apply for financial aid, etc. And so those are just some of the things we do to help support our students every step of the way. And what we found is when, you know, kids have people who believe in them Mm -hmm. and then help side by side support them in achieving what's ultimately their decision and goal, uh, we're able to get to that 100% number. And, you know, ultimately we have students who might choose they want to go direct into career 
or they want to go into the military, we honor those choices as well. Um, uh, so about 90% of our students end up uh, going off to college in the fall, and we couldn't be prouder of that number and how different that is than what it looks like more broadly in DFW. And all of your campuses are just extraordinary. Here's here's one of the accomplishments. I'm going to brag on you because it's hard to brag on yourself, but I'm going to go ahead and brag on you for you. Uplift Education. 100% of the Uplift eligible high schools were named among the best high schools in the nation by U.S. News and World Report for 2020. And all of the schools were within the top 12% in the nation. How do you do that? Yeah, well, one of the ways. Uh, one it's of the just ways amazing. We it, <laughs> we're so proud of our schools. One of the ways we do it is that all of our high schools at Uplift are authorized for the diploma program, which is a rigorous academic program uh, by the International Baccalaureate Program. So think about AP courses on steroids, mm-hmm. and it is considered by colleges. IB is considered the best preparation to be ready for college. And if you were in a traditional public school district in our area, your child would need to test and be part of maybe their gifted and talented program Mm -hmm. in order to access the IB program. And at Uplift, we've made a commitment and said, if it's good for one child, it's good for all. And so all of our children at Uplift, uh, unless for some reason, um, you know, it's not developmentally appropriate for them, are uh, put into our IB program. And so they all have access to it. And I think when your high school is designed to push all kids to have excellent curriculum in front of them versus just for some, you get the outcomes that you saw in uh, those national ratings. Now, you mentioned the IB program. For those who don't know, it's the largest IB district in Texas and the second largest in the nation. And IB stands for International Baccalaureate. Can you explain to all of our listeners what the International Baccalaureate means and what it could mean for your child if they were going to uplift education? Sure. Uh, So um, if you think about kind of rigorous types of programs in a high school, you first would have regular coursework at a high school. Some kids might then um, push themselves a little bit and take a dual credit class with a local community college. Then there might be another set of children who take AP classes, um, advanced placement classes, and then IB, International Baccalaureate, those classes are considered um, the most academically rigorous uh, for any child to be able to take, really based on kids being able to make real-world connections Mm -hmm. to the material that they're learning. They get an opportunity to demonstrate their writing skills. They get an opportunity to learn how to critically think and debate topics with peer students. Uh, They learn time management skills that are so critical for college. And then colleges, when they see a student has IP classes on their transcript, they are awarding college credits uh, that then, you know, reduces the number of classes a student has to take and pay for in college, uh, especially if they've earned the, and we help support our students in being able to do that. So um, that's a little bit more about uh, the IB program, but it really is considered uh, the best preparation for college that a student can have. And again, in our area, you know, it's very selective and most students have to test into it, where at Uplift, if you're a student at Uplift, you're automatically enrolled in it. That is absolutely amazing. And again, if you're hearing this for the first time, you're saying, wow, I wonder if my kid is even smart enough to go to this school. Can you talk again about some of the backgrounds of the students? Because these are just like everyday kids that you probably did not know. You probably thought your kid was good and you you want your kid to be able to be the best that they could be. And again, it's just, it's I'm just amazed that you're able to get the most out of the kids because these are not necessarily the most brilliant kids growing up and everybody knew that they were going to be brilliant. I appreciate that a ton. I, you know, I would just ask any parent, please don't sell your child short. Right. Uh, you know, uh, especially if maybe you've gotten feedback about your child in the past about where they are academically, uh, you know, at Uplift, we have a range of learners. We have kids who are low grade level, at grade level, way above grade level, and really our belief is that every child does benefit from 
a rigorous curriculum. And then our teachers are prepared and supported to help kids reach it. Um, and so we don't believe in watering a curriculum or academic programming down because, you know, a child has been labeled over their academic career that, you know, they're just a regular student um, uh, or they're below grade level. Uh, you know, Uplift schools are free. They are open to all students. Mm-hmm. You enter through a lottery process and, um, you know, a blind lottery process. We don't know your child's grades when sure. we're drawing our lottery. And so you just end up with a really neat mix of kids who have all performed differently academically, who have different interests outside of school, who come from different backgrounds, whether that's economically, culturally, ethnicity-wise. And I think it makes for a really neat environment if you want your kids exposed to, you know, a diverse set of kids and a focus on building an inclusive culture where everyone has a chance to be successful. That's, I think, that uplifts a great fit. Again, you've got 21,000 student scholars from pre-K all the way to 12th grade on 21 different campuses across Dallas-Fort Worth, and 100% of the graduates have been accepted to college. Can you talk about what it's like on the different campuses and how all these different kids from all these different backgrounds actually get along? How do you make sure, and I know you got great teachers, but how do you make sure that any conflicts are resolved or that all the kids basically put education first, yet they're all friends or they at least all get along? Yeah. Well, it's hard for teenagers to all get along. Well, exactly. But, you know, I think for us, uh, there's a few things. One is we try to offer extracurricular activities and sports that the kids are interested in. So they have an ability to connect with peers that share an Mm -hmm. interest. And then we also have a really robust social counseling program. So our social counselors, we have a social counselor, a licensed mental health professional who we call social counselors at every single Uplift school, and they push in on a regular basis to classrooms or advisories and lead sessions with kids on a variety of topics to just help make them the strongest peer possible um, uh, with their student colleagues. But then also they're available to meet individually with students or small groups of students if a student has something they need to work through, maybe something's going on at home or um, they are having a conflict with a peer, those social counselors are there to help. And I think that's what makes our campus community so special. When we talk to kids, they specifically talk about how they feel cared for um, uh, at Uplift by the adults in the building. Mm-hmm. They feel like they're held to high expectations and they feel that it's a much more intimate setting uh, then, you know, being our, our schools tend to be small. They tend to be around 500 to 600 students. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they're not at a 2000 student comprehensive high school or, you know, a thousand student primary school. So they feel known um, by the adults and by their peers there. And I think that's a really important thing. How large are the classrooms? Uh, how many students per classroom? Our classrooms, I would say, would be typical of a a traditional public school district. So Mm -hmm. on average, 25 uh, students with a um, main teacher and then teaching assistants who are floating around classrooms providing that additional support. Now, I've given all the accolades, and it's so well-deserved with Uplift Education. Can you talk about what all the schools had to deal with during the pandemic, the challenges and maybe uh, some of the virtual learning situations? Could you talk about how you guys were able to go through the 2020 year? Yes, we've survived it. Only two weeks left, uh, and we're really excited to return to normal next school year. We offered three different learning options for our parents to be have their children fully in person five days a week, fully at home five days a week, or hybrid two days a week at school, three days a week at home. We provided technology for any student who needed it to be able to continue their learning. We had remote meal service pickups. We did on-site COVID testing, and we're continuing to do on-site COVID vaccines um, just to make sure our community stays safe. Uh, We had really strong safety protocols in place for our on-campus learners, and we saw very low incidence of COVID. And so we are excited and thrilled to have all of our kids back next school year uh, or as as high a number as possible. So kids 
can get back to establishing relationships with peers, doing the extracurriculars that they loved. Um, and we truly believe the best learning environment is kids in person with a teacher in person uh, supporting that learning process. Again, we are visiting with Yasmin Badia, the CEO of Uplift Education. Am I pronouncing your last name properly? Batia, yes. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> oh, yeah, for one. sure. Well, we're two weeks away from the class of 2021 graduating. But the class of 2020, I got to give you guys props again. 865 graduating seniors submitted over 7,100 applications and were all accepted to over 570 different colleges and universities throughout the nation, 39 Ivy League and top 100 college acceptances, $115 million awarded in scholarships and grants, and 78%, like you mentioned earlier, will be the first kids in their family to attend college. This is absolutely amazing. Are you guys getting a lot of different people watching you across the country to see how you educate the kids? In other words, are you almost like uh, being observed and, and people saying, how do you do this? And, and you're being asked about how you do this thing. We definitely get asked to share best practices, and we are as equally excited to share what's working at Uplift and humbly learn from others as well. I think that's part of our DNA at Uplift is we are always willing to share but also uh, continually push ourselves to be the best that we can be for our kids and our staff and our families. Now, it's not just getting the kids to college because I understand you have a program or at least you're looking at something called college persistence. Can you share what that is and how that might be important for a lot of parents? Sure. Uh, so unlike many traditional public school districts, your child graduates from high school. It's, oh, we'll see you in maybe five or ten years for your class reunion. Right. Uh, you're kind of stuck with us at Uplift. Of course, you don't have to take advantage of it, but it's there. <laughs> uh, so we have an alumni program. So we have dedicated alumni counselors who check in with our students, particularly their first and second years in college, to make sure the transition is going well and answer any questions, provide any support that is needed. And then we have actually a career service office, which is also very atypical for a traditional public school district to have. And it helps both our students who are currently with us in pre-K through 12th grade learn about careers and career opportunities, but it also helps our alumni. Um, some of our alumni might go to a college that maybe doesn't have a strong career office at that university, and so we can help guide our alumni on how to best take advantage of the resources they do have, but then we also are able to help them connect and network to job opportunities outside of what they're learning about on their college. So, um, you know, we realize that for some kids um, from some types of families, you know, they have broad social networks to help mm -hmm. their child get a job after college. But not all kids have access to that. So we're really just trying to equalize the playing field a bit and have uh, career counselors and alumni counselors who can help our kids along their full journey. And for us, full journey means through college. Then you can be done with us. <laughs> but not, we, we see high school uh, graduation is just one step on the path, not the ultimate step. This is absolutely wonderful. Uh, you, you mentioned all the things you help provide for the for the kids. Uh, I, I failed to mention earlier that uh, eighty percent of the students scholars are on free or reduced lunch, so they the parents don't have to worry about that part. And of course, if the kids are well fed, that allows them to think even more freely and get things done and not have to worry about being hungry. You guys are absolutely amazing. Again, when you guys started in nineteen ninety six, who thought of these different things? Were they all in place or did you develop and learn things along the way to make the uh, the uh, the school what it is today, the schools? Yeah, I mean, we always have been built on a culture of uh, caring student-teacher relationships and high expectations for kids. And then we've, and, and with an end goal of kids going to college, those have all been core and part of Uplift's DNA for 20 plus years. But as we've grown, we've identified new needs and better ways we can support kids and families. And so I would say um, at Uplift, there's always something new and innovative happening in the spirit of being great for kids and families. Again, Uplift Education is the largest free public charter school network in all of North Texas. And the mission for the school is to create and sustain public schools, 
of excellence that empowers students to reach their highest potential in college and the global marketplace. Now, I know that you have partners. You have people who help and don- donors and different groups. Can you talk about some of them? And if you want to brag and, and show people how how important they are and how they've been able to help you guys sustain the school, can you, you can shout them out if you need to. Sure, thanks. Well, we definitely have uh, great donors uh, who help create enrichment programs for us. We have great college partners. We have great after-school programs. Um, we partner with Boys and Girls Club and uh, Champs and uh, so many others to help um, provide really mm-hmm. enriching uh, enrichment opportunities uh, to our kids. And we have um, different uh, partnerships with local hospitals and mental health institutions, again, to make sure that we're meeting the full needs that we have for our kids and families. Now, you, you guys are a nonprofit, a 501c3, and it's upliftseducation.org. Can you talk about the diverse board of directors? That's also impressive. Yeah, we have board members who come from all different kinds of backgrounds, uh, and really they are shared in their commitment that every child in our Metroplex deserves a high-quality, joyful education, and they are all committed to making sure uh, and holding us accountable to make sure that we run schools that do that for uh, for our kids. I, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about – see, this is what's interesting. When you, when you share stories about – you know, wonderful things, and especially kids in education. You also talk about the adversity that not only the kids go through, but sometimes the schools go through. And we mentioned the pandemic and COVID. Could you talk about what happened and how you were able to get through the power outage and the freeze back in February? Because that's something that everybody had to deal with. How are you guys able to handle that? Uh, yes. Uh, well, we handled it by not having school for a week, and that was really tough. Um, but we wanted everyone to focus first and foremost on being warm and safe and fed. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, then we opened up actually an emergency grant program. Our social counselors identified families that were really hit hard, um, and we offered uh, some emergency financial assistance to help families uh themselves back up uh, and get back to normal following the winter storms. A few of our campuses experienced some physical damage, but within a few weeks, uh, those those repairs were done as well. So we were very fortunate from that standpoint. Um, But I think our biggest thing was just realizing uh, learning, academic learning had to take a back seat, and Mm -hmm. we just needed to make sure everyone felt emotionally uh, safe and um, uh, had recovered from going through something that was so traumatic, especially for for folks who were out of power for so many days. Yes, it was trying times all over Texas. And again, we all together were able to get through that. Well, we mentioned a little earlier that in the next two weeks, uh, the next graduation happens. What's next for um, UpliftEducation.org? You want to share some of the things that you guys got coming up? And is there a way that people can reach out to you or get involved or, as you as you mentioned before, get in the lottery to maybe have their kids uh, join the school? Sure. What's up next for us at Uplift for this next year is we're already planning for it. We're really focused on um, you know, three things. One is just making sure as we bring kids back into our buildings, all kids back into our buildings, that it's a really joyful experience. So, mm-hmm. you know, what are, what are those enrichment programs that uh, we need to double down on or, or new programs to offer? So kids come back to school and really who haven't been in school in 15 months and love being physically at school. We're really focused on that. We're focused on being mindful of where was learning hard uh, over the pandemic and where do we need to catch kids up? Um, uh, some things are just much harder to do even virtually uh, than other subject areas. And then we're also just trying to make sure that kids are able to, you know, we have such a diverse set of kids that they're able to see themselves in our curriculum. And so we're being really mindful about uh, including novels and fiction books and um, a curriculum that is really inclusive and it makes all of our kids feel uh, feel seen and known. And that's really important to us. And so, you know, as we prepare for next school year, we are busy filling any open seats we have left in our schools. We definitely still uh, have seats available in many of our schools. And I would highly encourage parents to go to our upliftseducation.org uh, website and 
click on apply or enroll and see the schools that we have across the Metroplex. It takes five minutes to fill out an online application because you know, we're not using any screening information. Our schools are free. And I particularly encourage our parents who have pre-K and kindergarten students um, or rising pre-K and kindergarten students who weren't quite sure that they wanted their students in school in person this past year to really bring their kids back and let's make sure they have solid reading and math skills uh, that will be so critical if they continue on in their primary school and, and broadly in their academic experience. So I hope that any uh, kindergarten and pre-K families out there will particularly check out our website. But of course, we have spots open uh, in, in all grade levels, pre-K through 12th grade, and I hope you'll consider us for your child. Yasmin, it's been a pleasure. I thank you so much for joining us. Yasmin Badia, she's the CEO of Uplift Education. And again, we got to check back with you again in the fall because I've said this before, uh, not only healthcare workers, but educators have been the real heroes of this pandemic. And we are so proud to have UpliftEducation.org, a part of the North Texas community. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me. All righty. I'm Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan. Thanks again, all of you, for joining us. Tune in next week as we focus on other organizations doing great things in our community right here on Better Living. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.